You should do that. The, the exit's great at St Paul's. Wider steps there. If you encounter a large person at the monument, I like to push myself against the wall. No hardship. <laughs> well, it would this year. <laughs> anyway, nice to see you. Bye-bye. I'm very lucky to be here, actually, in one piece. Seeing as we had the car journey from hell this morning. I always know it. I, I get into the car, and first of all, you have, to, you have to rattle the door a few times. And then you get in, and, uh, and they always say, well, they, they do if they don't know me, where are you going? So I always say, this morning, I say, you know, um, there's nobody. It's, it's quarter past three on the street. There's nobody. So I go, where do you think we're going? And he said, Leicester Square. I said, there you go, then. He said, but I had to check that you were the right person. I said, do you see anybody else around at this time of the morning? So anyway, then we set off on the journey. Now, my journey from Twickenham is dead easy. You come out of Twickenham, you take the 316, straight down to Richmond, straight road to Hogarth Roundabout, straight road over Hammersmith Flyover, straight, it is the straightest road you've ever seen, straight through Knightsbridge, Piccadilly, Leicester Square. 20 minutes door to door. This morning. We get to the roundabout, I think, because I always have my eyes closed. I think, oh, close my eyes. And I thought, wait a minute, I don't recognise this, this journey. We haven't, we haven't lent right. We go to Isleworth. So we're going through Isleworth, and he's obviously now getting conflicting messages from the sat-nav, because we're following sat-nav. So I'm thinking, any minute now, it's going to tell him, turn round. No, it doesn't. So we keep going. And he's obviously thinking, I don't know where I am, but I'll keep going, because the sat-nav's pointing me in this direction. So we get to Gillette Corner. And I'm thinking, whoa, we are way out here, way out. So from Gillette Corner, we do a right. We go down past South Ealing, past Jonathan's place where he lives. We go straight down and we come up. We're now on the elevated section of the M4. I'm thinking, we're miles out, miles out. So we get to the elevated section. So we then pootle down there until we get to Hogarth Roundabout. So, so far, we've probably done about a two or three mile round trip, you know, it's, it's such a straight, it's the easiest route ever coming into town for me. And so then we get to Hogarth Roundabout, and I think, right, this is straight road now, he, he must know where we are because it's signposted London. No, no, it doesn't help. So we go <laughs> straight down, we go down, 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 and then we come off at Hammersmith. I'm thinking, why would we come off at Hammersmith? It's a straight road. It's so simple, this journey. It could not be simpler. So we get to Hammersmith, and I think, I know what he'll do. He'll do the same as one of the other drivers has done before. He'll go round Hammersmith, and then we'll go up as if we're heading for Kensington, uh, through Hammersmith, where LBC's old studios used to be. No, no, no. We go to Shepherd's Bush. So we go to Shepherd's Bush, and I'm thinking, my lord, what are we doing here? So we go round Shepherd's Bush roundabout. I thought, no, 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 please not. Next thing, we're up on the Westway. I mean, we couldn't have done a more round trip. We're up on the Westway, and we're now heading down the Marylebone Road. So we, <laughs> we get to the Marylebone Road, and I'm looking out the window thinking, I'm being abducted, I'm going somewhere I'm not supposed to be. And, and then we turn right by Regent's Park. We go round the horse-shaped crescent thing, the crescent. And, and then we go down, we cross over Oxford Street, we're now into Regent Street. And of course, every single set of traffic lights is against us, so we stop at every traffic light. We must have done 32 sets of lights. I've never had a journey like it. And then we get to the back of Leicester Square, and I'm thinking, does he know where we are? Because he looked at the back of the National Gallery, and we slowed right down. I thought, he thinks it's the National Gallery. No, 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 no. So we went round, eventually we sort of stopped, and he said, have a nice day, and thank you very much indeed. I was, I was tempted to say, well, that was a journey and a half, wasn't it? The elevated section of the M4 and, uh, and the Westway. 
Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Anyway, I was cheered up by somebody very kindly, and I don't know who it was, probably John Warrington, um, putting the uh, uh, flyer for Peter Andre coming to Minehead. And it's three nights for only £96 PP. Oh, per person, sorry. thought it was post and packing. I thought we'd actually get Peter Andre sent back. And there's a lovely picture of Peter Andre looking like he's been dipped in toffee on the front cover, wearing his slashed open to the navel shirt. Show it, you know, he's wearing a shirt, which to be quite... I don't know how you iron this thing, because it's all holes. It's all full of holes. I mean, it's holes everywhere. I mean, you know, I've got a body like this, but I'm not going to show people, because I'm not playing Minehead. If I play anywhere, it'll be the Queen's Theatre. And it's three night breaks, start for £96, and they're going to transform the Skyline Pavilion into a family-friendly arena. No better place to see Peter performing live. I thought the bedroom would have been the best place to see Peter performing live. That's just my opinion. But so they're going to put him on there. He's only had one hit, hasn't he? How can you get a show out of one hit? How does that happen? But anyway, I'm saving up the money. Because it's not till November. So I can, I can go in November. I can go to mine and go see Pete. Well, Pete, go Pete, go Pete. I'll go and sit there and enjoy that. Lovely, isn't it? Anyway, nice to be company this morning. How was the weekend? Lovely. How was the weather? Great. Did you go out? Yes. Did you have a barbecue? Yes. Was it cold this morning? Yes. Is it really cold this morning? Blooming freezing. Wind? I had the bedroom window open last night. I seriously thought the ceiling had fallen in. If, I'd living, if I was living in Anthony's house, it probably would have been right. The ceiling probably would have fallen in, because he's had water dripping down the walls. Sounds like the house from hell, doesn't it, really? He's got all this stuff going on. And, um, and, and I thought, I've only got the window open a little bit. I mean, a little tiny bit. You know, a couple of inches. Hardly worth bothering about. But the wind was... Ca- it was blowing the curtains. Well, I've got really heavy curtains. Actually, I've now got two new cushions in the settee, on the settee. I bought them the other day, and you're going to laugh. I went to the British Transport Museum... Uh, at Covent Garden, the transport museum there. And what they've got is they've got cushions made up to go on your settee or wherever you want to put them. But they're made of the maquette, the same pattern that they've used on the buses and the tubes. And the one that I've got, they're really nice. I mean, I promise you, they're well-stuffed cushions. They're not cheap. They're 40 quid a cushion, which the producer thinks is really expensive. But, I mean, you know, if you go to Laura Ashley, you're paying 40, 50 pounds for a cushion anyway. But these are ones, and this is made in Britain, not made in China or Malaysia. It's made in Britain in a place in Yorkshire, using the original patterns for the material, and it's really nice, and it fits on the settee beautifully. You don't need to fluff them up because they're nicely plump. I like nicely plump. I was only saying that to Charlie earlier. Wasn't I, Charlie? Nicely plump. And so I've got the cushions on the settee, and they're really nice. And then I thought, I want to go and buy some more because they've got puffs in there. Puffets, sorry, puffets in there. Well, there might be, I don't know. And they've got these, and they're square, and I thought, that, I'll buy some of that, and I thought, where am I going to put it? Because, you know, when you're young, I used to have... I don't know if you've just moved into a bedsit in London or anything like that, but I used to have floor cushions, big, big cushions, and you just... I could fall asleep on them. Two of these things, you could happily fall asleep. It was just unbelievable. I mean, really, really beautiful. And, and then somebody said to me, where'd you get them from? I said, I can't remember. I don't know, some discount place. I went, what's inside them? I went, oh, no idea. Turned out they did a test on That's Life. These things go up in five seconds because they're not flame-retardant. They were full of little foam chippings. The asphyxiation alone would have killed you if I'd dropped a cigarette, because I was smoking at the time. Well, I got rid of them really quickly. But, I mean, I miss them because I just thought they were great to sleep on. I don't have to sleep in a bed. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. I could sleep on the floor. I could sleep on this floor quite easily now, if it wasn't for the mice that we've got in here. That's why we've got the, uh, the mice. We've got my mice. That's why we've got the mice box in the corner. We've got the little mice. You've seen the mouse box in the corner, haven't you? Yeah. Well, what do you think that's there for? Rats? Sorry, not rats. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get rats in it because it's only tiny. So it's like, yeah, yeah, la, 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 la. 
Well, it definitely has, anyway. Uh, right. <laughs> because they can squeeze under lots of... Oh, there's one. <laughs> she hates mice. Hates mice. Uh, oh, it's rats you don't... Well, there's no rats in here. Not that you can see, but I reckon scrabbling around behind there. Look at there at the window now. Let us in, let us in. <laughs> the Daily Star. Susan Boyle, I need a lover. Don't be silly, Susan. Let's not be stupid about this. Never kissed a man in a life, never likely to. You know, it's not going to happen. It's not one of those things. She's not that sort of person. She did, however, they're now worried about her her uh, sanity again. as She had a rant at the airport again with her assistant, who is her niece. And unfortunately, Susan Boyle uses the furt word. And it's not very pleasant. And uh, a lot of people who were witness to it said she lost her temper. Afterwards, she apologised, saying, uh, it was very stressful, I'd just come from Tokyo. I thought, well, I hope to God I don't go and meet Paul Savory because he's in Tokyo, and we've, he, I don't understand their effing and blinding at me, thank you very much indeed. But she does use the foot word quite a lot, which is not very pleasant. Uh, Kerry Katona has to have drug tests to prove she's free of cocaine addiction. Uh, her agent has said this is part of the, the contract, that she'll have these tests every so often to make sure she's not cheating going back on drugs, because uh, she's got to prove she's clean. No, this is her last opportunity. If she doesn't make any money on this one, that's it. She might as well go and stack shelves somewhere or go and live abroad or do something because she's a waste of space and uh, she's a worthless individual. Uh, so say loads of people, including Dr Adrian Rogers, who obviously doesn't go for people like her at all because she's a, you know, somebody who did lots of drugs uh, in the house where her children were. Not a very clever person, rather stupid, rather dumb, no particular talent, apart from sticking a tongue out and being stupid. But nowadays, we seem to applaud people in this country who go, Oh, aren't you marvellous, Kerry? I was talking to Nick Majerison yesterday. He likes Kerry Catone. All the people I don't like, he likes. It's odd, that, isn't it? All the people that I don't like, and I didn't like Kerry Catone, and I don't like the usual suspects. Look at that, Peter. Look at that shirt. Do you think I should get one of those? I mean, what is he wearing? I mean... Oh, that looks like moths of eating. It does look like moths, doesn't it? Is it the oddest thing ever? Such a funny picture. Isn't it a funny picture? I like that. That's I know. really good. He's such a sex symbol. <laughs> <laughs> and that funny hair. Poor soul, honestly. Never mind, Pete. One of these days, mate, you'll grow up. I, can't, I have to keep reminding myself, he's 37. He's not a 12-year-old, he's 37. But there you go. There's a lovely picture of the paper. I've got to mention it because I laugh every time I see these pictures of the paper. Because I don't know who these people are. And there's one here. Soap sex bomb Emma Rigby. You ever heard of her? Oh, Amanda might have done. Oh, she's in Hollyoaks. Oh, God. How shameful. Anyway, here is Emma. Emma is, you know, in Hollyoaks and obviously, you know, a bit of a star. And she's a sex bomb. And she hit the town sporting her trademark beehive. <laughs> Sorry. Tra- didn't know she had a trademark beehive. I mean, I'm hoping it is actually a beehive stuck on her head. <laughs> One of these wooden things. 25,000 bees flying in and out. But anyway... Uh, this Hollyoaks actress, wait a minute, hosted a party at Over 21's club, Café de Paris. Despite the fact she's only 20. So what was she allowed in there for? She's another desperado. Wannabe, wannabe. You know, what would you like to be? I just want to be anything. Because there was a wag the other day. I told you about on the programme. And she's going out with a footballer. And she's really pleased because she's just, like, got a job doing Ultimo, so get, getting them out for the boys, which is great, because wags, they like that. And she's really pleased, and a friend of hers said, she's not doing it for the money, she's just pleased that she's got recognition. Oh, for Christ. Do you know, honestly, I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing... Do you know, you just so wish it would all finish, don't you, for them. And somebody go, terribly sorry, love, you've actually got to get a job. I don't have a job. Yeah, come on, get a job, it'd be good. I mean, poor getting a job, there's a lovely girl here. This is the little tiny girl. 
who was on the ice skating. No, no discernible talent. Emily Atak. Remember Emily Atak? She was another one, I think, within Hollyoaks briefly and then went on to be film star. She's unfortunately about two foot tall, but she's got too much hair. Too much hair. She's got lots of hair. It's, it's old lady hair. You know, great if you're somebody like Sophia Loren, but if you're Emily Atak, who's only 20, looks a bit stupid, dear. Just like I'd mention that. 16 past five. These are the headlines. A car bomb has exploded outside of British Army barracks in Northern Ireland, injuring at least one man. The main political parties are putting the finishing touches to their election manifestos. Labour will focus on rebuilding the economy and restoring trust in politics. The Tories unveil their plans tomorrow, the Lib Dems later in the week. And Jade Goody's widower Jack Tweed goes on trial later, accused of raping a teenager after meeting her at a nightclub. He denies the charges. Let's have a check on the state of the roads. I saw it earlier on. I said, Nick Cole, she went, it certainly is. Jay Louise. <laughs> Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning. Well, a serious accident overnight in Streatham means... Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 84850, uk. It's the kind of thing you need to wake up your day and you're all going, listen, I've barely got the energy to lift up a toothbrush. Andrew says, was it you in a stripy, colourful shirt and Nick Ferrari holding court in Joe Allen's on Friday night? No, I was in Joe Allen's on Sunday lunchtime. Was I? No, wait a minute. I was in Joe Allen's on Saturday lunchtime. Do you remember when I was there, actually? Saturday lunchtime I was there. But actually, no, it was very quiet. Do you know why? Because it was lovely outside. And who wants to go and sit in a basement restaurant when the sunshine? Me. Me, because it was quieter, and I, and I quite like that. So, yes, I was there, but uh, Nick Ferrari, I shall have a word with him. Uh, I wonder if he comes under celebrity. Probably not, actually. I'm a celebrity member. <laughs> I'll have to check with him later on today, actually. Uh, 84850, uk. So, quickly, the, some of the stories in the papers, apart from poor Emily Atak in the Daily Star, which is about as far as she's going to go, I'm afraid. And again, love, if you bleach your hair and you've got too much of it, and you're a little tiny thing, and you don't really have any discernible talent... It's a bit desperate. You know, watching you staggering out of a nightclub and then having a kebab with mayonnaise on it, I'm afraid, is, is about as classy, darling, as standing, you know, underneath a lamppost, you know, with a bag of chips in one hand. It's, it's just not classy. And, unfortunately, you might get your picture taken by a few naff paparazzi, but they're not going to go any further. They're not going to go, do you know, I think we're, we're casting for the latest, uh, let's use Emily Atak. No, let's not. Let's use somebody else. Hey, fantastic. Peter Andrex. As, and he looks somewhat different to this picture in the paper today, has landed a deal with Channel 4 to host his own show. And a, wait, for, wait for I'm sorry, it gets better and better. They say the Insania singer, one hit, has got a one-year contract worth £600,000. So they've got him dirt cheap. And he's set to go head-to-head with Jonathan Ross on Friday night. Oh, Pete Sickens. I mean, don't please put yourself up against him. You'll just look stupid. But anyway, grilling his celeb friends. What celeb friends? <laughs> Who will that be? Oh, wait a minute. Guests may include Kerry Katona. Oh, Christ. Because that, of course, is the same girl as with his management. So they'll... So, and they're really in love. Not. And also Spice Girl Mel B and Alicia Dixon. Uh, right. This is put out by his agent. It says here, as he tries to forge a new career in television following his sell-out nationwide tour and smash album. He's doing butlins. He's doing butlins in Minehead. You might as well be doing the Scout Hut in the Outer Hebrides. It's as exciting, ladies and gentlemen. A source said he's a natural. Yes, <laughs> don't make me say it. And uh, Channel 4 will give him a free licence to grill his guests in an irreverent way. 
I'd quite like it, actually, if the guest grilled him in an irreverent way. What was it you saw in Katie Price, fat boy? What was it that somebody decided that you were a singer? Ha, 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 ha. We know you've got a sell-out tour, lovey, but there again, Katie Price gets a sell-out tour. You know, and she doesn't write, sing, dance, do anything. See, both kind of following the same... So Channel 4... I mean, that, well, that's doomed. Doomed! It's me erring on the side of caution and going, oh, give him his... His trouble is, you know, I don't think we need to be fair anymore. He's been around in the business way too long. Way too long. And now Channel 4 are giving him a chat show. Who's going to watch that? Up against Jonathan Ross. Actually, Jonathan Ross said in the papers the other weekend, he can't wait to leave the BBC. I would echo that as well. I also can't wait for you to leave the BBC. Somebody who's managed to milk it for years and years, I think, fine, you've made a small fortune. If, I mean, you'd have to be stupid, wouldn't you? If the BBC say to you, we're going to pay you £6 million a year, and you go, well, I can't accept that, it's far too much money. No, of course you say, I'm going to take it. And then the public jump and you go, oh, it's discreet, and you go, but that's what they offered... You know, if my management here said, listen, Steve, we're going to offer you 630000 a year. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is, excuse me, if you think I'm taking a pay cut, you've got another thing coming. I mean, I'm going to be the first one with my little wheelbarrow outside. I was only saying to Lucy over at our sister station. You know, we were talking about, my, I went into her, and then she mentioned me on her program. How embarrassing. Very, yeah, well, we are my, my, she is my new best friend. But the producer went, oh, you've got to hear this knowing that I don't listen to choice all the time. It has to be said, because coming down this corridor, we don't get it. I think we should have a button, Lucy, at the end, and when you actually come in, you push the button, and then you can hear that music down the corridor. Because all I get is classic. And, and, and whenever I get the opportunity to hear them speaking, I rush down to wait under the speakers, because it happens so rarely, because the tracks go on for, like, hours and hours and hours. And so I run down there, he's going to speak, he's going to speak, he's going to speak. And then, and then they speak, and you say, wow. And then I just walk through the door. You have to, because we've got the disabled toilet next to there. And for some reason, our toilets don't work that well in the building. Especially not that one. All by our lift, it smells a bit... We, d- we don't go in that one at all. It's a bit like a gymnasium anyway. There's light switches and pulleys and bars and all sorts. It's quite nice, though, as toilets go. Except Jenny Barnett. <laughs> Jenny Barnett set off the alarm. Because she pulled the thing, thinking it was a light switch, and it turned out to be the alarm. And then, I think that was also Jenny Barnett, who was, who was in there on the loo, and she didn't lock the door, and somebody walked in. <laughs> God. There's no hope, is there, round here? I tell you, we're all falling apart, ladies and gentlemen. The advantages of getting old. It's great, isn't it? You know, I love it. Uh, more on Kerry Katona. Yesterday revealed she wasted the past four years on a crippling drug habit, which almost killed her. She says she frittered away £6.8 million. Well, you're even more stupid then, aren't you? Even more stupid. When I think of the people who've got nothing in this world and people who've... And you fritter away 6.8 million shoved up your nose. God, dear. I would, don't need to get me going. William Roach has revealed from Coronation Street he's 50% deaf. He's got hearing aids in. And, um, and he said, I can't hear certain things. And he said, I can't hear watches or alarms, footsteps or the rustling of paper. Well, believe you me, Ken, you're much better off without those things. I can't hear any of those either. Rustling... Look... Why would you want to hear that? Why would you want to hear rustling? You know, wait a bit, here we are, look. I mean, you know, you, you can imagine somebody hearing, oh, shh, shh, treat, but I mean, why would you want to hear that? What was the point of that? Make any difference, does it? Unchange your life. The rustling of paper. <laughs> actually, actually, the more I do it, I, I, I'm really missing that already, you know, because when you go deaf, you're going to be, people say, what are you missing? You get paper rustling. I'm thinking of that. A bit like cattle rustling, and it's easier to nick. <laughs> You know, you can hardly get a couple of Frisians in your pocket, but you can get paper. It's a whole new programme, isn't it? Paper rustling for beginners. 
I watched a cowboy film the other day. I don't normally watch cowboy films on the television. That made me laugh. Don't watch, cow- watch cowboy films on the television. But this was a John Wayne one. And John Wayne, for some reason, don't ask me why, but it's become quite apparent to me that in most films, John Wayne appears to be partnered by a very good-looking blonde young man. Now, it, it turns up in all the films, there's always a good-looking young man next to John Wayne, and John Wayne is always talking like this. And, and this one, he's actually playing um, a member of the army, and he's obviously a, uh, an Indian scout because he says to the bloke who's leading the troop, he said, oh, you don't want to go over there. And so then they sort of pan it and, and he says, why? I said, because the Comanches are over there. And, and the, the, the man who's leading it says, I don't. He said, how do you know? He said, because they always hide in the short grass. And so he says, right, you're being demoted. So he strips him of these things, sends him back. And, of course, as per usual in most cowboy films, off they go, thundering through the pass, only to be attacked by the Comanches, who are hiding in the short grass and who massacre the lot of them. And you want to go up to the captain and go, he was right, you know. They're always right. You know, if John Wayne's in a film, he ain't going to die in the first five seconds, no matter how many bullets and arrows are flying around. And what amazed me was that the soldiers went in armed with scimitars, whereas all the Comanches have got guns. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? You know, they might sort of thrown a net over them and then just massacred them. I reckon, I don't, I don't want to put too much money on this, but uh, I think Cheryl Cole could get back with Ashley. Friends say they talk on the phone all the time. She'd be a fool to go back. She would be a fool to go back, I think. And everybody said exactly the same. But now they're, they're saying she's, uh, she's just jetted around Europe, flogging her records. I don't need a parachute. I don't need a... Uh... More interesting. Okay. Give me my running gag throughout the programme. Uh, Big Brother winner Alex Reed. Remember Alex Reed? Remember Alex? Puts on makeup, pretends to be a woman, not a very attractive woman. And uh, he could be one step closer to being in Hollywood films after a chance meeting. Apparently, a Hollywood producer, Brian Fuller, was in London's Soho Hotel last week. And, uh, and he was talking to Alex, because Alex is going, why be in a Hollywood film? And, uh, and we're all, yeah, great. You, you go and be in a Hollywood film. She'll kick you out that door, mate, so fast. You won't, your little feet won't touch the ground in heels or not in heels. Yeah. I was, yeah, I mean, it's just, but anyway, um, he, he, he wants to go out there. So he set up appointments in LA and a friend said this may be the bit of luck he needed. He can't act. I'm sorry. I'm, am I missing the point about acting now? If Michael Caine's listening which he probably is at this time of the morning. You know, you, you, you learn your craft. You don't just sort of marry some page three old has-been and go on Big Brother and then go, I think I'll be an actor. Or in your case, Alex, an actress. You know, you just, it, it takes years of doing... You think you're going to go to Hollywood and be an actor? You're more stupid than I thought you were. I've credited you with a wee bit more. Just a wee bit more. It just, just doesn't happen. Oh, guess who, guess who wants to meet Heather Mills? Guess who wants to meet Heather Mills? Her father. Her father. This is the father... Uh, that in her autobiography, which was the greatest work of fiction since Kublai Khan, uh, claim, Heather claimed she was forced to shoplift when her mum left and her father neglected his children and was abusive. He denies all of these allegations. He said she's a total fantasist. But uh, anyway, uh, he hasn't seen her for 25 years and now wants to see her. And I'm thinking, why would you want to see her after 25 years? You've not wanted to see her up until now. She quite clearly didn't want to see you. Because it's not like he's on the moon. He's in this country. He lives in Washington, Tyne and Weir. If you want, Heather, I can put you in contact, love. But seeing as you've not been in contact for 25 years and he's not spoken to you for 25 years, I'm assuming he's going to die without seeing you again. But, of course, he does spend most of his time watching you on the television, appearing in and out of court, doing your usual indecipherable rants. But uh, he said, I, w- I want to see her before I die. Hmm. 
This is LBC 97. Morning, everybody. One of those sounds you'll miss. OK, I'm doing that especially for everybody this morning who's been listening since five o'clock. Especially Erica, who uh, left her car in Garrick Street and there was still no ticket on it. There is a God. There is a God. And she said, we, we, we got a mention on the blog, me and Janet. But uh, she is in Birmingham this morning. Birmingham? We love Birmingham. Actually, do you remember that I was telling you a while ago about um, BBC Radio 6 Musical Digital Station? And they were going to axe it because it costs six million a year and nobody's listening to it. Total waste. Six million a year. I know. Let's, well, I'm, I might know two people who listen to it. But um, uh, now it looks like the BBC are going to do a, a U-turn on it. Well, don't get too excited. They're going to call it Radio 2 Extra. In other words, to try and get around having to axe it, they'll call it Radio 2 Extra. And it will feature the same DJs and playlists. And, uh, and the public consultation process will not be completed until the end of May. As one person said, it's a typical BBC fudge compromise and, I suppose, solution. A thousand people demonstrated last month about it. That was the whole audience. A thousand people. Keep it going. You know, so, so what they'll do is they'll just do an about turn. That's what they do. That's what they do on these uh, radio stations. Anybody see the roasting of Bruce Forsyth? I don't like these programmes. They do them better in America, where they're nice about people. Over here, we just, we just took the mickey out of Bruce. And, you know, Bruce plays along with it. You know, they, he went, nice to be roasted, to be roasted, nice. Yeah, very good impression there. And, uh, yeah, I found it a bit disappointing. And I also found it a little bit irreverent. And I wasn't really interested to see Bruce's lovely wife, a former Miss World, described as beauty queen, wife, carer. You know, all that kind of stuff. It's just a bit unnecessary for a bunch of has-been old comics who couldn't get a gig anywhere else if their life depended on it. Let's face it, if Peter Andre can get a chat show on Channel 4, there's hope for everybody. I think I might put myself up for one, just to be more interesting. And I'm, I'm not interested in Sharon... We've seen Sharon Osbourne. I know everything about Sharon Osbourne, apart from what she looks like naked. I've never, ever expressed any interest in that whatsoever. But that, we know everything. We know everything about the family. We've seen the television programmes. We've seen her being interviewed by Driz Morgan. I've seen everything. I don't want to see any more Sharon Osbourne. Go away. It would have been funnier to drag out Ozzy. Drag out, drag out the daughter. Drag out the, drag out anybody. Drag out the other daughter who doesn't get interviewed by anybody because she's far more articulate than the entire. It makes me laugh, doesn't it? You get the whole family who are complete degenerates, and then you get the nice daughter, and you think, small wonder you never wanted to appear on the television with them, love. Oh look, here she is. I'm a huge celebrity, Danny Minogue, and they've sparked rumours they're expecting a boy because they've bought a koala bear. This apparently sparks rumours now. Why don't they just say you've got a boy or a girl, love? Uh, well, it's a secret. Why? Because we're selling the story. OK, we're selling the story. You know, that's what people do now. Nobody ever tells the truth to you. So, you're having a boy or a girl? I can't tell you. Why not? Well, because it won't be a surprise then. We've seen all the celebrity weddings where everybody gets vetted. They have to go through metal detectors. I've been to one. I'll tell you what goes on. It's all under cover of, uh, you know, blankets and uh, covered in walkways and things like that. And everybody's frisked for a metal de- uh, through a metal detector. Everybody to find out whether you've got a camera or a mobile phone on you, and they take them away. They take... Luckily, I shoved mine in my pants. I thought, if you want to take it out, you take it out. And so I managed to get through that way. But that, they're really funny about it, and all these people turn up you've never seen before. You think you don't know that person. You don't know that person. But, but that, that's what they do. And so, no doubt, Danny Minogue, when she eventually decides to get married... Although, if you're following um, Patsy Kensett's... I did make me laugh. I was watching Holby City today. God, it's rubbish. Really, I've forgotten how much rubbish it was. You know, I don't want to see another fake operation with somebody underneath the table going, <laughs> pumping a heart up and down. It's now Patsy Kensett Healy, or very shortly just Patsy Kensett, because they're they're splitting up again. I'm afraid. 
And uh, they've only lasted a year, so almost a record for Patsy Kensett. Well done, Patsy. You'd have to ask yourself, wouldn't you, as I said yesterday on the programme, you know, don't you think it's you, dear? You can't just keep a relationship at all. Uh, Steve, Butlin's mine head for Peter Andre. I assume the O2 was fully booked up. Absolutely chock-a-block with the Steve Allen show. <laughs> Stephen Harlington says, A friend of mine, a big burly butcher, pulled the wrong cord in a Tesco toilet, thinking it was the flush. Very surprised when a big security guard opened the door and walked in. <laughs> uh, Lynn says, I beg to differ. I would miss being able to rustle paper. On the other hand, I wouldn't miss Mr and Mrs Cole. I agree with you. I wouldn't miss Mr and Mrs Cole either. Couldn't care less with these people. Barmy, isn't it? Guess who's going to get married again? Husband number nine, this could be. Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, now, we talked to Debbie Reynolds. Actually, on the subject of Debbie Reynolds, uh, Noreen wanted to know when it's going on. And it goes on on the first bank holiday in May. First bank holiday in May. OK? She said it was a lovely day on Sunday. I went swimming when you finished and dragged Brian round the lake for a walk. Have you taken his legs away again? I've warned you about that. No good dragging him round there. Poor soul. So first in, first in May is when Debbie Reynolds will be on. A revelation. A revelation. Nick Ferrari this morning. They're going to be talking about the NHS changing the rules on hygiene for Muslims. They've said that they can wear long sleeves. And, of course, this is totally forbidden in the NHS because of hygiene. You have to have short sleeves on so you can wash up. Now they're going to be allowed to have long sleeves on. That's in a lot of the, uh, the papers today. They're talking about the plane crash in which uh, Poland's uh, president was killed. They're saying the pilot was told, don't take off. Uh, they were landing in thick fog. His body's already been flown back. There was uh, mourning everywhere. I mean, absolutely atrocious. And also the other thing which we couldn't understand is why they all flew in the same plane. You very rarely get presidents and wives and members of the entourage in the same plane. They normally split people up. You wouldn't find members of our royal family, for example, all flying in, in the same plane. It would be, it'd be completely different. This was a much smaller aircraft, but uh, flying in in fog, not good. Is Britain under too much pressure due to immigration? And they're going to be talking about Britain's construction industry and economic recovery, jeopardised by cuts. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari after the news at 7 this morning on LBC. Nice to have a company, though. I trust you're well. And uh, we also got some nice wedding pictures back, which I'll tell you about a little bit later on, from Paul and Nicky, who were with us at uh, the Queen's in Hornchurch. They got married. I didn't get an invite. I don't want to make a big song and dance about it. I'm not the sort of person who complains bitterly, as you know. I might mention it one or two times, but I won't mention it any further. Um, the Nationwide Building Society to cut queues are stopping people taking out less than £100. I don't understand why people only want to take out a fiver and a tenner. It's like, you know, I'm sick to death of going to the supermarket now, and the person in front is buying a sandwich at £2.99, extortionately expensive, making myself for cheaper, which I'd be the first one to advocate, and then they pay for it on a visa. You think you're paying HP on your sandwich? You're quite clearly eating the wrong stuff. Eat something you can You can make your own sandwiches and freeze them the night before and save a fortune. Apparently, they actually sell in the supermarkets bread, butter, cheese, tomato, cucumber... You know, and condiments and everything. You can get it all in there. So I spend a lot of time making sandwiches and uh, putting them in the freezer. Not. I wouldn't spend £3 on a sandwich. I think £3 on a sandwich is just ridiculous. It's way too much money. I pay a pound for my cheese and marmite sandwich in M&S. Pound. I, have one. I quite like a cheese and marmite sandwich. It's, it's white bread. I'm sorry, I don't subscribe to brown bread. It's better for you. I don't do that. Listen, white bread is just as good. Provided you get a good quality white bread, it's just as good. Yeah, for a pound, yeah. It's Marks and Spencer's. They're selling it at a lost leader, making all their money up on 
you know, the ale pies and stuff like that and different things. And sushi. Phew, horrible stuff. Dead fish. Ugh, yuck, 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 yuck. Oh, it's a nice one here. You can go to a harvester and have a succulent grill and an unlimited fresh salad and a free Sunday best ice cream. Whoopie-doo. Doesn't tell you how much it is. Just says an original combo. All oh, sounds a bit worrying, doesn't it? For people to come out and start drumming for you. Uh, the 2012 Olympic site in London has already been hit by crime. Offences at the village include sex attacks, robberies, violent assaults, criminal damage and drug offences. More than half the incidents against site workers and members of the public have come after the area got its own police unit and was sealed off to provide supposedly high-level security. 45 instances of fraud, three sex offences, nine rob... This is all inside the place. Nine robberies, 44 violent attacks, 23 burglaries, 29 drug offences, 32 criminal damage and 132 thefts. That's inside. God knows what's going on outside. God, blimey, I, I say I, I don't hold out much hope for these Olympic Games, I'm afraid. They're disastrous before they've even even begun. Prince Harry blew ten grand on champagne. Whee! Well done, Harry. And he bought it for all sorts of people. He went to his favourite posh club, Bougis. I don't know how you pronounce it. I think it's just off Piccadilly. And uh, Harry likes going there because he doesn't actually have a proper job. And, of course, he's done his bit for charity for the decade. So we've got that. So they go out and he blows ten grand on vintage champagne. To be honest with you, I think it's vastly overrated. I'd rather have a nice cup of hot chocolate with some floaty marshmallows in the top of it and a, and a, and a small Earl Grey tea. The idea of wasting 10,000, I wouldn't mind, but, you know, he hasn't got that much money. His father's quite quite mean. Well, no, it's because his mum left him money, if you remember, so he has actually got his, his own money now. But his father's generally quite quite careful. Another word for the royal family, a bit tight. They really are. I mean, the Queen herself is... They, I mean, you, you've seen inside Buckingham Palace, you've seen the state rooms, and then you've seen their rooms. And, and they're, they're actually quite modest. They have a little formica table, and uh, for Christmas they buy naff presents. They do buy naff presents. But, but they don't understand, you see, whereas we would go out and, you know, buy... they go, a, a flannel. <laughs> and they do buy stuff like that. And they go, oh, how excited? A fl- what is it? It's a flannel. Yes, a sock. <laughs> Are they getting... What is it? It's a toilet brush, ma'am. Toilet brush? How funny. Look, look, Philip. Toilet brush. Ah! <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> just as exciting as rustling paper. So, uh, so they do buy funny presents. But I reckon Charles will say to him, Listen, you're a member of the royal family. You're supposed to uphold things. We do not go round like Henry VIII, flashing our money around. £10,000 in one night on champagne. Don't again. You know, big slap on hand, because they don't encourage that kind of thing. The Queen would see that as being absolutely a disgrace to the royal family, and I totally agree with that. I love Harry to pieces, don't get me wrong. I think he's far more exciting than William, who's a bit drippy, I'm afraid, and sort of drags around the girl for seven years now. For God's sake, get married. For seven years. I mean, she'll be an old maid by the time you drag her up the aisle. Then I'd have her hair tinted, she'll have grey hair, and... Do you take... Yes, I do. And we'll have all that kind of rubbish. Dreadful. So get married, keep Harry inside, don't let him go... Because I think Chelsea's a bit naff, I'm sorry, I've, I've looked at her. She doesn't even look classy. She there's nothing about her. She does look a bit chavvy, doesn't she? It's a shame that, because I'm sure she's really quite lovely, but I always got the impression that Harry likes a bit of chav. You know, because he goes out to nightclubs. He doesn't go anywhere that's really posh with the royals. He likes hanging around with, well, let's just call them common people. It is a bit Henry VIII, but to waste ten... If, it, if he wasted ten grand, he probably didn't waste ten. But he obviously wasted a, a fair amount of money. They'd probably say it was a thousand pounds 
you know, and he didn't pay for all of it. Do you think he's got his own credit? What's it got on the credit card? Harry Windsor. Do you think it's got that on there? How funny. To have to sign for a credit I quite like that idea. Harry Windsor. A little bit worried. Apparently, Botox can cost you pals. Women who use Botox, Anthony mentioned this earlier on, are wrecking their lives because their frozen faces make them look uninterested in others. Well, that sums Jordan up straight away, doesn't it? Do you see her having the, the Botox the other day and still unattractive? No matter how much Botox she has, it's just not... It's not a case of she's plastic. She just looks unattractive. That's why she has to trowel on the makeup. And the two little... I don't know what they are that drag around with her. One who does the makeup and the other one who just looks like a handbag uh, holder. Uh, I think one of those looks like he's had Botox as well. And the whole idea of having Botox is that you, you freeze everything, but you shouldn't freeze too much. You actually have to, you know, you've got to have some expression in your face. Disgraced soccer star Marlon King has converted to Islam in jail and named himself Abu Hamza. He's decided to change his name. The former Premier League striker has been radicalised by Muslim inmates after being caged for molesting a girl and breaking her nose. He describes vile Hamza, jailed for seven years in 2006 for soliciting murder, as his hero. Stupid man. No more stupid than bloody Premiership footballers, are there? Even on a Monday morning, ladies and gentlemen, we can still, still find the, uh, the balmy ones. And do you remember that story that started yesterday? People who come up with excuses as to why they were in a bus lane. One said he'd seen a UFO, and he said, I was so distracted by it that I drove into the bus lane. Yeah, nobody else managed to drive into the bus lane. It, it would be, you know, if you actually saw a silver sphere hovering over the car, you would go, blimey, look at that, and then drive into the bus lane. Nobody else sees it, just you again, because that's... Because you've been doing one of those funny cigarettes again, isn't it? You know, and you say, oh, it's, oh, my God, it's unbelievable. Of course, it just turns out to be a streetlight that's pulsating fairly wildly. 14 to 6. Here's the headlines. A bomb's exploded in a hijacked taxi overnight behind a British army barracks in Northern Ireland. There are no reports of any serious injuries. Labour's election manifesto's out today. They'll set out plans to rebuild the economy, renew public services and restore trust in politics. And a day of mourning's being held in Russia to honour the death of the Polish president Lech Kowinski. 95 other people, including his wife, were with him when their plane crashed on Saturday while trying to land in thick fog. Have a check on the uh, roads for you this morning. It's Jay Louise. Thank you very much, Steve. Starting with the trains, actually. First... Morning, everybody. So I was trying to get to grips the other day, and I had to ask uh, uh, Amanda this morning about it, just to see what she said. I said, if you were going to a Frankie Boyle concert, would you know what he would be like? And she said she wasn't particularly a fan of Frankie Boyle's anyway, but so she wouldn't probably want to go and see him. And I said, well, he's, he's known for being edgy. I think edgy is a way to describe somebody now who has what they call cult status. It's like if, if you go and see, if you went to see Bernard Manning, you would know what you're going to see. When Bernard Manning appeared on stage, and I remember Nick Ferrari having this very discussion on LBC. People would say he's a racist and other people would say, no, he's not. He's just, he's just telling jokes. They're just very funny. And I think Nick did a whole programme based around Bernard Manning and whether or not he was racist and, and uh, anti-Semitic. He told jokes about everybody. There was nobody who was safe. Whether you were disabled, one... Le- it made no difference. Fat, thin, ginger, glasses, freckle, made no difference. So this all stems from the couple who go to see Frankie Boyle, who's been suspended. I think he was taken off Mock the Week because he made a couple of things. One was about the Queen and one was about something else. And people went, mm, not sure about that. So then to err on the side of caution, because now... You get comedians and people go, you're not very funny. And you go, well, that's what they do for a living. And so more and more comedians are kind of stopping performing live because it's the PC brigade 
who sit there going, oh, this is dreadful. You think, well, don't go. It's like, I wouldn't want to go and see a circus of horrors to see people sticking needles and pins through their body, because I'm not interested. In the same way, if I didn't find Frankie Boyle or the material that he did on television interesting, I wouldn't book tickets. I don't find Ricky Gervais particularly funny, so I'd never book a ticket to go and see Ricky Gervais. So this couple go and see Frankie Boyle at the Hexagon in Reading, which is big... I remember when they built it. Big modern theatre, big pantomimes there, and it's sellout, because Frankie Boyle's got a following. And his audience absolutely love him. I'm not saying what he does is, is right or wrong. He's a comedian. You either find them funny or you don't. If you don't find them funny, you don't book and see them. They manage to get seats in the front row. You know, 2,000 seat place. They get seats in the front row. And they're, as far as he's concerned, they're just people sitting in the front row laughing at, you know, the funny man who sold out. And then he does his jokes about Down syndrome. And he starts making jokes. And he's doing it. And he notices this couple in the front row talking to each other. She's whispering to him, and they're t- and he's he's like most comedians, and I can guarantee practically every comedian I've ever ever been to see, and I've seen them do it at the Royal Variety Show as well when Michael Barrymore did it. People start to go, "Excuse me, hello, hello, I'm up here performing." You know, if you were interested, we'd come and watch you performing, but you're not. So Frankie Boyle starts taking the Mickey out of this couple, and they don't say anything. And then eventually, she says, which is kind of guaranteed to kill somebody's act, stone dead. Uh, we have a Down syndrome child. We didn't think that was very funny. You're in a theatre where you've paid, I should imagine, in excess of £15, £16 pound a ticket. So it kind of kills your ex stone dead. And he said, well, you should have known what you were seeing. You know, it's, <laughs> this is what I do for my act. So they then complain about it. And the, the discussion we had the other day is, if you know somebody's quite edgy, you wouldn't go see them. For example, I would think if I went to a Bernard Manning show and I would be black, he'd be picking on me. He would, because that's what he did. So in other words, you did get some black people going, but it's only because they had very thick skins and they would, he would take the mickey out of them. Certain people take the mickey out of other people. They, you know, we, we do Irish jokes. We do, whether we like it or not, we do Irish jokes. It's not, probably not very funny to most Irish people. You go, so I was talking to Paddy the other day. You know, it's not exactly that funny unless you're Paddy. And you think, well, I was talking to Steve Allen the other day. So that, that's where it's funny. Everybody does jokes about other people, but where do you draw the line? If you, if you don't think that somebody like Frankie Ball's funny, you don't go see him. I would think, you know, loads of people that I don't like, I wouldn't bother to see. They might turn up on the television, but when they're doing a private show and people are paid to see it, they normally put, this is for adults, you know, like, this show contains nudity, guaranteed to fill up the seats. You know, this show is going to be offensive to at least one person, because it's very easy to offend. But if I say to the producer, oi, midget, you know, she laughs. Because she knows at the end of the day, she's got a DVD player worth £80, so it's kind of worth it. You know, that's how it works. Everybody's offended by everybody nowadays. It's brilliant. I mean, I mean, she's, you know, she's, she's not, you know, I've just got to say to her, look, you're really short. There you go, have a satsuma. She's quite happy. It's a trade-off. It's a trade uh, All right, you're really, really short, OK? Two satsumas. And so it goes on. We buy things. But it's amazing. I think somebody once wrote in and complained and said that, that Steve Allen was homophobic, which I thought had to be the best one we'd ever heard, actually. We, had, we absolutely had an had a absolute jam cake session on that one. It was jam cake, jam tart session. Anyway, so we go to uh, the Queen's Theatre. Uh, I think the last time we was there, and Paul and Nicky were sitting there. And Paul and Nicky were in love. And it was all very romantic and all very wonderful. Well, we don't do romance at any of our shows. And it was so nice. And I'm saying, you know, you should really either get, get married or just, just, just split up now. So much easier. But anyway, they got married the other day. 
And luckily, Beverly and John have sent me in some of the pictures. I have to show them to the producer. Very, everybody very attractive, all rented outfits, very nice, and lovely flowers, and uh, everybody looked, uh, loved the car. car was fantastic. After the rain in the morning, the sun came out and smiled on the bride and groom. So look, there they were, look. Mum, Dad's oh, son. Look. Oh, look at that. Beautiful. Nice car. Forget that. Look at the car. Car's nice. Okay. Gorgeous Big, dress. Gorgeous, isn't it? Look, Absolutely lovely. Stunning. Lovely, isn't it? And they had a lovely time at the Trafalgar Tavern uh, in Greenwich, right on the river on Easter Sunday. Your friend got married there? Really? All the alcoholics all together, aren't they? Have you noticed? <laughs> Every need was catered for. So they had a lovely time. The staff were marvellous. The food was lovely. So well done, the Trafalgar Tavern in Greenwich. Good for you. John's best man speech paid a loving tribute not only to our son but to Nikki, who's our beautiful daughter-in-law. He was fine until he looked at Nikki and she had a tear in her eye. I've had conjunctivitis. It's awful. Sometimes then it really gets you. That, oh, dear, I look as I'm crying. Horrible. That almost set him off, but it was the only stumble in the speech. As for the mascara, it did what it said on the tube and tissues were most definitely needed. Oh, they're somewhere on honeymoon in Malaysia. Well, actually, you're very lucky because Johnny who drives my programme and is jetting off today, he drives on Sunday, he's going to Malaysia. And Paul Savory is uh, in Malaysia as well. Everybody's going to Malaysia. Perhaps they can sort of pop in on their honeymoon. I'm sure that Paul and Nicky would be absolutely thrilled. Oh, God, they followed us with the programme. So uh, thank you for your good wishes. And Noreen's made Paul and Nicky's day. And uh, thank you to John, says Bev, for the best years of my life, and I love him more every day. She's after something. She's after a present. You can tell, can't you? This is leading up to... Isn't it about time you bought me some more jewellery? <laughs> We've been married 34 years, and they said it wouldn't last as we were too young. Me, 18, and he, 21. We're going to celebrate in County Wicklow in Ireland, where we spent our honeymoon. So that's Beverly and John in East Ham. Good for you. And I'm glad that it all went well. The photos look lovely. Really, really lovely. So I'm very pleased for you all. Very pleased. Of course, you've chosen wisely by listening to LBC, so I'm even happier there, you see. Everybody, everybody happy. It's a win-win-win situation. Of course, the producer's now in tears the other side. I know. She's, she's often looked at... She, she walks past pronuption. Just keep walking, keep walking. One of these days, we'll fit you into one of these dresses, but at the moment, you need to put on some weight to get in them, OK? Uh, Jean says, ever since your insects covered in chocolate programme, been having nightmares about spiders. You can't sue. You can't sue. It's on the radio, all right? Cool, dear. At the local Tesco... Says Ray in Barkingside. Morning, Ray. I was stuck in a queue because a girl was using a credit card to buy a chocolate bar worth 43p. Was that you? Do you buy... You don't put chocolate bars on credit card, do you? 43p. She doesn't need to. She just needs to go to my cupboard. You know, there's always a bit of chocolate in there. Mars bars and the like. Uh, Steve, it's a disgrace. The Queen plays some staff so little they have to top up the wages with benefits. They are known as being the worst payers. They always have been, ever since I read a book about the Queen and the Royal Family years and years ago, because they say it's prestigious to work for the Royal Family, because once you work for the Royal Family, Americans will lap it up. You go to America and you say that you've been head of household or China or whatever it is in the Royal Household in London, the Americans pay top dollar. So the Royal Family can afford to pay very little, and they do. They are the worst payers. But imagine the prestige of saying... At Buckingham Palace. I work at Buckingham Palace. I mean, I thought that would be quite good. So other than that, I'd love to drive a bus. I don't know why. Just got this thing about driving. But I had a dream about driving buses. I had a dream about taxis the other day. Now it's buses. Uh, D says, I know we say it all the time, but it's so good to hear you in the morning. I did have a particularly bad weekend, health-wise. I've been very low, but ten minutes of you and I'm giggling. My running gag on the programme this morning, D. It's the best I can do. I tell you, in, in this sort of election year... 
And Lord knows, many of you have written in to me saying, will it hurry up and get over so we can just go and vote? But who do we vote for? That's why you have to listen to LBC, because we can guide you through. Love the paper scrunching, Steve. The sound of paper scrunched then thrown in the waste bin would be great for any Monday morning. I know. As, as, well, I mean, not if it's somebody's invoice. You know, oh, look, your invoice. I don't think so. I do like paper scrunching. I like that. I mean, I remember years ago, people used to um, line uh, their drawers with paper, didn't they? I tried it once. It, when you walked, it was really difficult. It was just... I don't know how people managed it. I just looked uncomfortable. It was a bit like a ch- I was going past Covent Garden the other day, and there's a man changing his baby in the pram. And if I tell you that I... It's just like Drew Level. You're always looking at... Oh, Coochie. Oh, my God. And he'd just taken the nappy off. Why is it? But why don't they give you some warning when they're going to do things? They just don't, do they? Uh, Babs Bruce. Morning, Babs. I'm going to the uh, Lady Rattling's spring lunch on May the 16th. It's a Sunday. I've already done the Water Rats. I'm now doing the Lady Rattling's. And I uh, hope the uh, variety show went well with Vince Hill. And lovely, lovely Bryn Go. Bryn Williams. I do hope. I do hope. And uh, best wishes from Warren and Gina, who went to the Wimbledon Greyhound Racing last night, first time. They did our numbers of three and four as a forecast. Sadly, nothing. So you can tell John Warrington we're not getting a bag of chips. Don't normally gamble, but yesterday, bet on the Grand National, lost. And then the dogs in the evening, lost. Well, actually, be pleased to know I won on the Grand National. I didn't get the first horse. I didn't get the second horse either. But I got the third horse. And I put five pounds on each way. So I've got no... I mean, it won't be very much, but, I mean, I, you know, it's, at least it's something, isn't it? At British Gas, we know your hub. Morning, team. Nice to be company. Monday morning. Boo, boo. Nobody likes Monday morning. I like Monday morning, actually. Mainly because I've been in it on Sunday, and I think, well, if you have Monday morning as well, it kind of makes the week go quicker. Yesterday, you all had, uh, last week, you had a short week, and, uh, and now you've got a longer week. But we're ever nearer the election. We're ever nearer something happening in the soaps that's going to change your life. <laughs> and, uh, and that's why, being on a, on a Monday, we have Susan Spence back with us. Morning. How are you? Good morning. Uh, not bad. Not bad. I'm sitting here looking at three satsumas thinking I'm never going to eat the blasted. I don't know why I bring them in. I bring them in because it's part of my five-a-day fruit. Except <laughs> you don't eat them. I don't. I just look at them sitting there. I'm very silly, actually. I bring the fruit in. I think I'll be really good. I'll bring fruit in. I'll eat that. And I think, when am I going to eat it? It's a chat show. When am I going to eat it? Well, it's a bit difficult to eat something like that, isn't it? Because it's it's quite messy. And I don't like peeling skins anyway. Oh, don't you? No, I don't like that. I can do. I see. I can do that. I can't do apples. Oh, well, you just bite into it. No, no. Horrible, can't do apples. Really? I haven't done you apples. You don't like your teeth on the skin? No. I, I love the look of apples, and I'm really, really into, you know, all the different types, and pink ladies, and green, and crispy, and this, and one of Just makes my flesh creep. So what do you do, chop them? I don't eat them at all. I just leave them. I've, I've had apples in a bowl before now. Now I've actually done away with apples in the bowl, and I've got fake apples in there. They just sit there. I bought them from Lakeland years and years ago, and they look just like real apples. And so they sit there, and I put occasional bits of fruit around them. It's not normal, is it? I'm not afraid. Really. No, no, it's not normal. Sorry, I can't help it. It's not my my fault. And because you know we've had a, had a nice weekend, so I can have fake apples in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> so off into the wonderful world of Soapland, ladies and gentlemen, with Susan. Have you seen any? Um, no, I can't remember what I've seen this week. I've seen. I don't think I've seen anything actually. Did you see anything of um, the Emmerdale storyline with Aaron last nope. week? No, no, I didn't. Oh, that's a no. shame. 
What was I was I supposed to have done? Um, well, yeah, you were because yeah. just because I think you would have liked it. It was quite well done. It was the whole Aaron and Jackson storyline and Paddy telling Marlon and all that kind of thing. That we couldn't understand. You can? Oh no, Paddy I can No, Marlon. absolutely not. And um, it gets worse in the next coming in the next couple of weeks because he just can't seem to hold his own water, Paddy. What's the matter with um, him all of a sudden? And Aaron will um, will try <laughs> to commit suicide. Oh, um, but it's all a bit neat. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I know it's a gay storyline in Emmerdale, but would it really happen like that? Would people get to it? He's, he's a fairly strong young man. He well, obviously that's, has close friends. That's the problem, though, because he, you know, he's been a bit of a tough man all his life. He's always went and gone on about how he doesn't need anybody, and now, of course, he doesn't. He doesn't want to be gay, um, but he can't help himself. Right. And it's the whole stigma because he knows what, you know, his family... Like, imagine telling Cain Dingle. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, that kind I'm of thing. I'm often worried about Cain Dingle anyway. Yeah, but, yes. you know, it, it's that kind of thing. It's like, how will his family react? Everybody sees him as being the tough guy and he doesn't want to be pitied. He doesn't want people to look at him, you know, in his words, as if he as if he were a pervert, as, as, the, as what was in the script last week. All of these kind of things. So the poor guy is in complete and utter turmoil. Um, and and this week it it takes a you know another another turn as well because um, he's getting on really well with this guy Jackson who's actually a really good character in it and they go out a couple of times and then on Friday um, they they have a little kiss outside the the um, the bar and of course Jackson walks away Aaron turns around and looks and there who's staring at him Adam who, of course, was the guy in the beginning that all this started with. And Adam's actually quite good because although he sees him, he, he knows well enough not to shout across to him because he's with Scarlett. So he ushers Scarlett away before she notices yeah. and it, it doesn't make any any kind of fuss. And he basically says to, to Aaron the next day, look, you know, I'm absolutely fine with it. I'm glad that you found somebody. I still want to be mates with you. And of course, Aaron is mortified because he doesn't want him to react that way. He doesn't want him to be nice. And so he blanks him. And so it's like everything goes against what he's meant to be doing, really. Mm. But he just can't cope with the with the whole thing. I think it's a very good storyline. It's interesting at the moment with the soaps because at the moment there is in each soap, each main soap, East Enders, Coronation Street and Emmerdale, there is a gay storyline. Mm. We've got this one. We had the kiss last night between Sophie and Sean, which quite frankly, I'm sorry, was very badly done. Um, it, it was too... It was too... Um, contrived. Yes, it was. Yes. It wasn't like one of these things where you, one would assume two young girls who've never gone down that route before, it would never have... Well, I, in my opinion, I don't think it yeah. would have gone that way. It, it, it was just too... It was too... I mean, there, were, there was a moment where Sophie, Sophie kind of looked at her and it was quite clear what she was going to do. Now, normally in these situations, somebody, yeah, they quickly lunge in and, and the other person would realise and, and scarp her. But it was very much, you know... And it didn't, it, even the script didn't really work with it. No. I just was quite surprised by that. And then, of course, you've got Saeed and Christian, which is the big one that's running in East Well, Sanders. Saeed's mother. Zainab is a witch. Oh, what a horrible old bag she, yeah, she is. is. I'm glad she, she fell in the paint yesterday. <laughs> I'm very happy. I'd have pushed her in the paint as well. Did you see she whacked him across the yes. face with that She's roller? She's a horrible piece of work. Oh, she really horrible. is, but she'll get it's her comeuppance. She's only acting, but she will. Yeah, she'll get her comeuppance. So, so he, he's, he's moving into this little... 
pokey sit, uh, mm. pokey, pokey sit, pokey flat things. <laughs> well, I've never seen a place like it. It was very odd. She's sort of looking at it in distaste. And then they all go around and start painting. Then Christian turns up stripped to the waist. Oh, no. Well, excuse me, but I've never had a decorator who's stripped to no. the waist to do the painting. No, but I know, you that, know. I know the producers obviously dreamt. Yes, but he, he he was sort of he had his shirt off. Like, oh, for goodness! Nobody takes their shirt off in front of strange people. Well, she did. Uh, she did throw the the whole. I mean, the colour of the paint is awful. Isn't it disgusting? Who would pay? And also, wouldn't you take the paper off before? Yes. You yeah. nobody would keep that rubbish paper, no, would they? No. In fact, the whole thing is just a little bit far fetched, really, just to get an argument going. Well, yeah. I mean, that is the whole point of it. And of course, what happens this week is that. Um, Amira at, goes to Christian and asks him for advice um, on how to get, you know, um, Saeed into bed because apparently since they've been married they have slept together like four times or something. And, of course, it puts the poor guy in a really bad situation. And uh, th- there's a part where he kind of eventually helps her after a bit of a false start. Um, and it goes so well, but Christian's trapped in the flat and has to get out while all this is going on. And he's clearly very upset because he wants to be with Saeed. So because he leaves and Lucy watches all of this and he drops the keys accidentally. She goes in a bit later and what does she do? She paints on the wall, freshly painted wallpaper as well, um, paints on the wall, um, Saeed loves Christian. Oh, as if you do, you do that. As if you do that. So they've got to try and get it off. Christian walks, um, Saeed eventually walks in, sees it, oh hell, let's lose, big fight happens, all very physical and they end up sleeping together, as you do. Fantastic. Well, there you go then. Yeah. <laughs> right, we'll take a short break. Actually, we were talking earlier on about um, about Frankie Boyle. I don't know if you know anything about Frankie Boyle as a comedian. No. No. See, I, I don't know anything about, apart from the fact that I wouldn't buy a ticket to see him. But uh, Jason says, there are some things you don't joke about, and Down syndrome is one of them. Well, there are some things you don't joke about, like racism. But uh, Bernard Manning made a career of doing racist jokes. And I would think that people would know what they were going to see. You don't book for... for for Frankie Boyle thinking he's going to be telling jokes about, you know, mother care and Jack and Ori and stuff like... Well, he might do mother care and Jack and Ori, I don't know. But it, he, he, he bases it on being edgy. And so, you know, probably if you know somebody with Down syndrome or you've got somebody in the family, you wouldn't go to see him because he makes jokes about things like that. In the same way, you wouldn't go see Bernard Manning or you wouldn't go and see certain people because they target certain members of the community. So I think you have to be an adult and go, I wouldn't go and see him anyway. You'd be a fool if you, if you had a, you know... If, you well, if you're easily offended, you if you're easily offended, offended don't things. don't go out. I no. don't know why why people go out at all. There's two women on coach trip at the moment. Must be a repeat because they're both mm, little little weedy things. The daughter's got piercings, and her and her mother are the drippiest pair I've ever seen in my entire life. And and one of these other women who's quite quite upfront and a bit bolshy said to her, "Well, you're both a little bit fragile, aren't you?" I don't think you should be going out by yourselves at all. What, that's what I mean. She's always picking on us, and I don't. And I'm thinking, what are you doing on this television program? Get off it. It's a blooming television programme. <laughs> I get so angry, I'm shouting oh, at the television. Oh, you're going to see. Get yourself all wound up. Oh, I've only got to watch an episode of Coach Trip, and I'm there. I'll tell you, I'm on heart tablets. Let it slow down, Stephen. It's only a programme. But these people go on a TV programme. Well, they're always picking on me, and they're doing... And you think, it's a television programme. I'd pick on you if I was there as well. I'd have pushed you into the blooming Danube years ago, you dreary old... Anyway, quarter past six. <laughs> With the headlines, Richard Hakier. Morning, Steve. A car bomb has exploded near to a British army barracks in Northern Ireland. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'll fill you in on that one in a moment. By God, racy pacey today, ladies and gentlemen. Nice to be company. It's LBC. It's Monday morning. It's Steve Allen with you till seven. Nick Ferrari, not on the battle bus today. We'll tell you when he's on the battle bus. There's going to be one of them. He's down in uh, Ilford, my former stomping ground, and in Leicester Square. What are they going to put it in Leicester Square? 
in the square. In, actually, in the square, do you think? I don't know. That'd be quite... It's a, it's a bus, it's a double-decker. It's going to be quite... Well, they can get a thumbfair in it. They can, I'm sure they get, uh, get Nick and his battle bus in. Anyway, so, so having established the fact that all these soaps are getting quite cock-a-hoop about uh, let's put in gay this and gay that. It's and a gay week, yeah. It is gay week. They're week, all yeah. doing it. What worries me, and I said to you before, I, I, I don't mind them doing the stories. I think sometimes they over-sensationalise things. And then I think I worry for the actors because I always think they're never going to keep you for very much longer because once they've dispensed with your storyline, it's a bit pointless exercise keeping you because they, they've used you up. And that's what worries me about the Aaron storyline. They'll, they'll use him. We'll have a story. He'll, he'll never be allowed to settle in Emmerdale and be a, be a happy gay person with his boyfriend because that'll just, it just won't fit in with, with Emmerdale. They're constantly moving. I don't know. I haven't think, kept any other gay yeah, characters. Yeah, I think this guy, though, is, is actually a really good actor. And I think he's probably got a lot to offer. And I think it's probably about time that one of them, one of the soaps, managed to weave in a realistic gay storyline. Mm. And it could be that Emmerdale's the soap to do it. I mean, the general opinion in EastEnders is that this storyline with Saeed and Christian will actually, you know, work out eventually. But they've done be... it in My Beautiful Laundrette. We had a Muslim boy and a, and a white boy, and we've got a similar situation. I'm thinking, you're just doing it to go, oh, look, you can have a gay Muslim and you can... And it's as if it's something sensational. It's the year but 2010. But I, I think the whole thing is, though, that EastEnders and all the soaps are all meant to be representative of everyday life. Therefore, any Orthodox one of them's got to get it right, haven't they? Yeah. And they've had enough tries. Yes. So they have to... Surely one would say one of them would get it right. But nobody's still there, are they? All, all the original gay characters that they had they've all disappeared yeah they have they have i mean the only one the only one that's hung around in is in is sean in coronation street and let's face it they can't they can't find anything for the guy to do because he's just a gay character in but he's apparently you remember he fathered that child with violet he apparently sets off to find this hmm. baby well Quite frankly, I don't know. No, I don't. No. I've, every time I see the character, my, my heart drops because I no. think I don't know what to do, what to do with him. I don't think they know what to do with him, and he's just there as sort of token gay in Coronation Street. Well, the thing is, I find him quite amusing to begin with yeah. his one-liners, but not anymore. It's like, oh dear, here we go again, another line, another line, another. Are we going to sit? Isn't there some storyline where he goes off to a club, or have we had that? And I've missed that. Oh, Sean. Yeah, are they not building a gay bar in Coronation Street? No. Oh, right, OK, just checking. They were building a bar, remember, with um, Leanne and Peter, but yes. then, of course, the father went do lally and kidnapped the little boy. And you that, don't want to live, do you, in this place at all? And that all went pear-shaped. And, of course, <laughs> Peter fell off the wagon and they decided it wasn't a good idea for him to run a bar in the first place, which, of course, was what Ken was saying. But, of course, what they've done is they've just... This bar was all kitted out and all ready to go. And now nobody speaks about it. <laughs> it's like it's ready to go for, you know... A decent enough bar, and it's like, no, let's not talk about it. Yeah. Okay, we'll use that later. Okay, coming yeah. back to the bar later. It'll appear so. It, it's a bit like um, uh, Dev and Sunita going to purchase Maria's house because Maria is away in Ireland mm. getting over the shock of Tony, and <laughs> she will come back, but it, it seems as if at the moment she's putting the house up for sale, and Sunita and Dev are meant to be buying it. It's like, well, all of a sudden, it's like these houses, they just forget about. And it's like one in Emmerdale where there was one where Daz used to live. And all of a sudden, Andy and Ryan are moving into it. And you're like, that house has been empty for absolutely yonks. Nobody's moved into it. Uh. It's really all very strange the way that they do Do they, they have do it. it as a set or do you think they, they then say, OK, we've got the photographs, so let's build it up. And so we know exactly what it looks like. Just in case the fans go back and go, wait a minute, it never looked like this before. 
No, I think, I, yeah, I think they just keep the same one. I mean, it, all, all I noticed about the one in Emmerdale was that inside it had been decorated. Oh, right. It was much more neutral colours than it was before. And Natasha owns it now. I'd love to live in Emmerdale. Oh, I too. like Emmerdale as a village. I think it's quite nice. It's got its little pub. Mm. Oh, yeah, I'd love to live somewhere like that. I would I be going to see Viv most days. Yeah, yeah. For a cup of coffee. Because you've got to give them the turn of the money, because otherwise, you know, use it or lose it. Because I was in Balamori, as you know, a couple of weeks ago, and there's a little place which is actually called Crew Haven up in Argyleshire, which is based on Tilbermori. So the houses are all painted colours because no. it's not far from the Isle of Mile for Balamori. And it used to go, they've got one pub with a couple of rooms. They've got a, a marina, but not much going on there. Um, they've got a hairdresser, which is in, pretty much in the water. And then they've got this little, this little newsagent's. Oh, grocers where and we go in there and buy a paper or you know, packet of caramel logs just to you know go in and have a look <laughs> and see what they've got. And every time we've gone in there, it's been quieter and quieter. And this time around, they've got this sign up saying, "Please support your local shop, otherwise, I'm afraid we're going to close." And you're just like where thinking, do people I'd... go then? Well, they must go to Loch Gilpaird or to Auburn. I don't know because they go in and of course there's a Tesco there and all of that yeah. kind of thing. You just think, well. This is going to really muck up this community if, if this guy shuts. Because yeah. he basically opens for a few hours, then closes, then opens a few hours in the afternoon. So it's like split shifts. But if they're not careful, they're clearly going to lose it. Yeah. And once it's gone, it's gone, isn't it? Well, But you'd support, you see, you'd support him. You'd support him. But he doesn't have a coffee shop. Yeah, I, I would support them. I mean, I, I do feel sorry for these little communities. Because what happens is a supermarket moves in. And, in fact, there was one down in, uh, in Olympia. There was a 24-hour Best Buys or whatever it was on the corner, down from where we used to be, open seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And you, you could drive past it at four in the morning, coming here or whatever, and they'd be, they, they'd be open. You can go and get your cigarettes, your paper, bread, whatever you wanted. What opened next to them? A Tesco Metro. Till 10 o'clock at night. Killed them stone dead. They closed within a month. And that's the trouble. Once the supermarkets have actually got, and you get them in the, in the, in the, in the, the towns, they just lower the prices, lower the prices, lower the prices. People go there thinking it's cheaper to go to the supermarket, which it isn't always. And, and they, they, as soon as they've actually put the little shop out of business, up go the prices. But the thing is that in this place, it's a good, it's a good way to get to Auburn or Lock Gilphead either side. Yeah, but what would you go in a corner shop for? But that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, the guy can't stay open just to sell sweeties, newspapers and cigarettes. Right. You don't make any He's money. He's never going to make any money no. out of it. And, of course, his shop, part, part of his shop is now shut down. Um, I noticed the bank bit is all yeah. shut down. So it's like he's clearly cutting back on his stock. And Well, you can't afford to keep it because you, you have stuff that's got shelf life. You buy it. If nobody buys the stuff... And I've, I've been in shops before. They've had, it's like being in a third-world country. They've got two items on a shelf, and you think, yeah. well, where's all the rest of it? We're used to going to... I mean, for people coming here from third-world countries, they must be horrified at our supermarkets, which have got every bit of fruit imaginable, vegetables, everything. Mm. We're, we're, we're very spoilt, very spoilt. But I would imagine when I go back there next March, it'll, that be, gone. it'll be gone. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's a shame it. because there are all these little rural communities, and people, unfortunately, mothers in their big four by fours, they don't go to the village shop. I watched a great film the other day. We went to the British, uh, the uh, the Transport Museum in Covent oh, Garden, yeah. and Darren said, "Buy this video. It's got London waking up and getting the buses out and the tubes out and everything else." And the film opens up with Big Ben striking six o'clock in the morning, Parliament Square deserted not a car in sight they come all the way round there's no cars in the strand in piccadilly in uh, in trafalgar square one car is going round and this is six o'clock in the morning i thought how it's changed since 1952-53 when oh god yeah when when the tube closed at night and they turned the lights off and there's nobody on the streets 
People go home by bus. There's no graffiti on any of the buses. The tube is all clean. People sitting on the bus say, uh, two, two thruppenies, please. And the bus conductors go, two thruppenies, OK. And then, are you going all the way? Whew, excuse me, matron. And, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and everybody was happy and cheerful. Now, graffiti and filth on the buses, you know, rubbish everywhere. This, you, you need to get this film out. I can't, I'll find out what it's called. But it's just beautiful of what London used to look like and all the buildings. Mm. And it was just, just wonderful. Yeah. And, that's, and that's why people used to go shopping. There's a woman going to a supermarket with a basket over her arm and saying to her, Ned, oh, I didn't know you came in here. She said, yes, it's only just opened. It's marvellous, isn't it? <laughs> I can get all my produce. And you think, your little corner shop that used to sell you the one rasher of bacon and the two eggs. That's right, yeah. Now they've all gone. I remember the bacon slicer. Yep. And now it's it's all finished because it's all pre-packed. God, I'm sounding really old this morning. I'm terribly sorry, but it it is true. You look back but at it's what like, London um, was like. Oh. In in where I come from in Helensburg, they used to have this old style, yeah, green grocers. It was old style to me. And what they used to they have they used to have the butter mountain, and you'd go in. My mum would go in and ask for whatever, um, you know, whatever grammage or ounces, whatever it is for butter. And what they, the grocer would do is he'd have two pla- two pallets paddles. as paddles, that's it, and he used to cut it up and go pat it down there and then put it on the scales and say, oh yes, that's whatever, and then roll it up and wrap it up and then hand it to her. And I used to think this, I used to wish that I could work with the butter. I thought this was fabulous, this thing. And of course, yeah, and of course now, I mean, that got that one out with the arc. But yeah, I mean, those kind of things. I mean, the thing is, a lot of these things come back but I've never seen a butter mountain again. No. But you're right, they used to have the butter in there. Two wooden paddles, and they would bang it together and do it, and it would squash down a thing, and then they would roll, and then they'd put it on the grease paper, and they'd roll it up, yeah. and it would be like, like buying lard in, in the butcher's shop mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You just don't see it now. And people go, oh, that's really old-fashioned. You go, yeah, but old-fashioned was good. Mm. Old-fashioned was, was good. You know, we that, liked old-fashioned. Is that the old-fashioned, you know, yeah. sweetie shops? I mean, I don't mean... You can get them all on the internet. I don't mean that. I just mean the ones where you go in and you ask for a quarter of. Now, of course, you'd get, like, three and a quarter for like, a pound, which is just ridiculous. Mm. But you, the, those kind of things are coming back and various other bits are coming back. But the difference is they're astronomically expensive. Yeah. Everything that's old-fashioned. At one time, you couldn't buy a car unless the colour was black. Mm. Now, black is a special colour. That's right. At one time, the poor ate oysters. Now, oysters are for rich people. But everybody ate oysters because they were cheap. Mm. You know, nowadays, it, it, everything's so expensive. I wouldn't thank you for an oyster. No, me, oh, me neither. I can't leave any worse. Uh, Pat says, can't people go to a comedy show expecting to laugh and be entertained on a rare night out from the 24-7 hull of being the carer of somebody with a disability without being stunned by cruel, unfunny tirades about disability. This happened to me a few years back when people with autism were made the subject of a joke. It was crude, unfunny and ignorant. The comedian didn't have to live my life. Disability affects many aspects of life and is totally unfunny. Well, I, I agree with you. It depends what you think is unfunny. And I think you go to see certain comedians and they're known for doing certain jokes. If you went to, as I say, to Bernard Manning, I can only highlight that as one off the top of my head, because he told racist jokes. You know, that's what he did. That was his, his stock in trade. So you wouldn't go yeah, and if you, know, if you, if if you, you were, wanted to be offended. And if you, if you were a mother-in-law, uh, you know, and you wouldn't go and see a Les Daw- a Dawson. No. Would you? Because that was his stand thing was he was always taking the mickey out of mother-in-laws. You could, take, you could take the mickey out of mother-in-laws. I think, because I think mother-in-law's all right, but can you take the mickey out of a disability? Oh, no. No, no I don't but think But then if you right go to see all. a comedian and he does, what do you do? Do you stand up and walk out? Or, like most of the audience for Frankie Boyle, three-quarters of them were laughing, and you think, perhaps they don't get the gag. We'll take a short break. Back uh, in a second. It's approaching 6.30. LBC 97.3. 
Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Sadly, we didn't do very well in the racing. Now, because we don't have Sam Pittis, because I said to you on Sunday, he's, he's not a well boy at the moment, so we wish him the very best. And Richard, we were just about to speak to, but he came from a different studio and he'd vacated as soon as we'd finished, so we can't talk to him. So, Alex, it's, uh, it's just you today, I'm afraid. We didn't do well in the Grand National. I got a third... Uh, he didn't get any winners at all, but not too bad with a sixth for Snowy Morning. And just one behind was the newsroom's character building. So Friday, uh, Alex had the Minac, seventh out of 14, lost £2. Total profit now, £20.15. And the newsroom nag was Kalahari King, which fell. So they lost £2. Total loss now, £11.15. But Alex streaking ahead. So Monday, it's just going to be you today, Alex, the 4.50 at Windsor. Nibani, win only. Nibani, win only. Actually, if you can tell me what I'm going to win on my... I forgot, what, what horse did I have in the National? I can't remember now. Some, wait a minute. Get me a little bit of paper out. It's all cleverly done. I, I, only, I'm, I don't really know about these things very well. I, ju- I just sort of write down the name of horses. I, I, like I the forgot sound of. that it was the National until about an hour before. You I write was in it the down car. and they just photocopy it. It gives you a barcode. I had, see, I had Snowy Morning as well, actually. So that was a six. I don't get anything for that. I, got, I also had Hello Bud. I mean, they were all sort of in there and around there, but state of play I got. I had can't buy time. Did you win any money then? Well, I would have won for state of play, yes. You would have? Well, I, I will do, yes. I all have right. £5 pounds each way. So what does that mean? You're I good? might get about 20 quid, 25 quid or something. £22. Pound. Better than nothing, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, mm. right. You're not too sure about that. Oh, no, no, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I just, like I say, I forgot that it was, that it was on. So yeah. but how much money did you put on? Anyway, moving on to other things. Ah, <laughs> uh, you obviously put 50. a lot or 50. I so had you five get horses at uh, five pounds each way for each one, so 50 pounds. I was hoping if, if two of them had come in, I might have sort of cleared it. Right. But then I'm happy to give to the Disabled Jockeys Fund. <laughs> <laughs> is that where the money goes? Yeah, I think a lot of it. They, they do raise a lot of money for that. It's, but the trouble, you're supposed to bet for fun. I mean, you don't bet if you, if, you, if you lose money. You know, you have to be able to afford to lose money. Don't, don't bet if you can't afford to do oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen people losing fortunes. Losing fortunes. Mike said, I put £2.50 each way on state of play and got £12.50, so I guess you'll get £25 back. Black Appalachia came second. And uh, Laura says, don't push it. Black Appalachia, state of play, big fella... Uh, thanks. Hello, Bud. See, I had, I had two of those. But I don't think you get anything for that last one. And uh, St Andrew of Highgate, he said, Dennis O'Regan was riding Black Appalachie. Lovely. Black Appalachie was second. You get £30 back, says Joyce. Thank you. Very much indeed. Uh, now, I got a photo the other day, because you know, if you've listened to the programme over the past couple of weeks, that uh, our man Rick Kelsey, he of the Lycra and the foot infection, uh, is currently cycling across America to raise uh, a lot of money for charity. They're hoping to raise about £5,000 and in the process probably do himself irreparable damage because he's had athlete's foot, they've had stuff stolen, he's saddle sore. It's a lot of cycling for the poor lad and he's still under the age of 40. You know, a a foolish thing as far as I'm concerned. Wouldn't catch me putting any lycra on and cycling away like that but Rick is is a reckless man at the best of times and he sent me a photo so I'm looking forward to some more photos. But uh, he's with us this morning, and we find you where, Rick? Very good morning, Steve, from the OC, Orange County, California. Oh, how lovely. What's that famous mm. for? You say I'm still under the age of 40. Yeah. Well, guess what? Guess how many times I've managed to get ID'd in a bar. I wasn't actually drinking, but how in half an hour, I was ID'd three times wow. in Santa Barbara. So they obviously think, because you have to be 21 to drink over there, and they obviously think Yeah, but they, they ID everybody. Like, if you, they've if, never if ID'd Rick. Yeah, they've ID'd me. me. 
But of course they've oh, really? ID'd you. You look young. You're, you're small. <laughs> I've never See, been ID'd. ID'd you. They would definitely ID you. I've they never been ID'd. ID'd. Never. You, if you came to Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara is the home of some of the most ridiculous laws I think I've come across. Oh. Um, this, is, this is the jaywalking capital of the United States of America. Have you ever been jaywalking? No. Is this where you just walk into the road? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. $250 fine for jaywalking in Santa Barbara. I think so, too. $500 fine for being drunk on a sidewalk. Ever mm. done that one? That's you and me out straight away, then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't smoke within 20 feet of a public building, but you could in the bar that you couldn't jaywalk or be drunk in. Isn't it funny? They ha- I mean, I, I have to be honest, I, I have been there, and in Vienna they have the same thing. You see people standing at zebra crossings, waiting for the lights to change, because you cannot walk, because it's a fine, and the police stand there, so the only people crossing are, are, the, are the tourists, who are wondering why people are still standing there. Mm-hmm. Oh, because was- there's a policeman at the other end who's going to give you a fine. Mm. Yeah. Well, apparently it's because California's got such a huge budget deficit. Yes. So basically they just fine you for everything. But anyway, Santa Barbara, absolutely beautiful, Steve. Mm. Beautiful place, but absolutely some loopy, loopy laws. We, we cycled from last time we spoke to you when we were in Santa Maria, cycled down through uh, San Luis Obispo County, which is kind of home of uh, all, all the vineyards. Looked a bit like a scene from the Bordeaux countryside. Then we went uh, through Santa Barbara County. We headed on down to... Uh, Ventura County, which is pretty ugly. Stopped in a biker bar there. Oh, we did. We, we cycled past Neverland. I didn't tell you that. A place oh. called Foxton Canyon. We didn't. We didn't even know we were going to do it, but we went past Neverland, and there he was, Michael Jackson's old house. We missed it, but we did cycle <laughs> past it. I'm, I can't remember now if somebody's bought it or if they're just they, they've taken all the amusements out. And I don't know what's happening to no, it. No, me neither. No, no. The, 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 we, we didn't. There wasn't that many people on that road. It was in mm. somewhere called Foxton Canyon, but we cycled past. Passed through that, and then yesterday made it down to um, to Venice Beach in LA. I mean, LA it was quite quite tough to navigate, as you can probably imagine. Yeah. Um, on four wheels. Few My punches. friends Alec and Hillary have just come back from Venice Beach. Oh, really? Bit of an Did eye opener, I think. Bit of an eye opener. <laughs> oh yeah, we we saw a tortoise with two heads. Oh right. What was it driving? <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, strange animals, Santa Barbara. Now there there is there is. One sentence that can strike fear into any cyclist in this part of the world. It's called the Killer Hill outside uh, Santa Barbara. It's eight miles uphill. Oh, dear. And we, we were going up it. We, we managed about four or five miles. And then uh, on about the fifth mile, we saw a, a dead cougar on the side of the road. And I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking when I saw this dead cougar, what was if, uh, you know, there was another one coming out with me? What would be worse? Another one coming out with me or having to go up this, killer, this, this hill again? And I was actually thinking, I'd, I think I'd rather be attacked by the cougar yes, than go up this hill again. <laughs> I was just one piece of sweat at the top. Oh, I mean, you can imagine me coming up with my 46-litre panniers and my Fisher-Price helmet at the top. I look like a ride state. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm trying to take that image out of my mind at the moment. I'm, try, I'm trying to sell you. It's a bit of a sex symbol over there. And uh, you're, you're not doing it very well. We've, we've had the athlete's foot. Now we've got your Fisher-Price helmet on. And I'm, I'm not too sure, actually, whether or not we're selling this in the right way, Rick. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's, it's been, the weather's been slightly better. We've had a couple of headwinds, yeah. but um, we, we, we've, we, the injury-wise, we've, we've still got a, a leg medial ligament on Andy. Um, a slight arm strain for Paddy. Um, he's looking at me now, just holding, giving his arm a bit of a rub. Um, and Nick obviously had the issues with his card uh, that seems to have gone missing. And I've lost about a stone, oh, sorry, sorry, about 14 pounds. 
14 pounds. Oh, God, yeah. that's 14 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Well, you did need to lose it, so that's probably quite good. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah, that was a good look. They do look at you very strange when you say you've lost the stone. They yeah. think, well... Where have you put it? Yes. Why were you carrying a stone round? Yes, I know. It? I know. There's all sorts of things. I remember going up to somebody once. Um, I, can't, I won't tell you what I said to them, but anyway, I mean, it just sort of got me into dreadful trouble. <laughs> got a spare fag, I think it was. I can't remember. And uh, next minute, there they all were. <laughs> Loads of them. <laughs> so, where, where are you off to tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow, we've got 73 miles left. Uh, we're going to be heading down Highway 1 through... Um, well, through the through Orange County down to um, San Diego, so we're around about seventy three miles uh, down Highway One towards the, the Mexican border. So hopefully, Steve, we should reach our destination around about six o'clock tomorrow night. We say hopefully that's puncher pending because yeah. uh, we have had a few problems with the uh, with the punches. I think our record's five in a day. Um, but tomorrow the road's pretty straightforward. It's straight on. We have got to go through. And I think it's a naval a naval base where we've actually got to get our passports out mm. and uh, head down this highway. But it's hopefully going to be OK if the wind turns around, because we've had terrible problems with the wind. Yeah. Normally, this time of year, the wind comes down from uh, the north and travels down uh, the Pacific coast. So you've always got the wind behind you, kind of pushing you on a little bit. But we've had around about probably about four days out of the last ten where the wind has been going in the wrong direction. And when it goes in the wrong direction... It's a very painful day. I mean, yeah. normally we're averaging somewhere between about 12 and 15 miles an hour. But when, when, the, when it gets a bit windy, you know, you're under 10 miles an hour and you, and you, can, you can end up uh, like we had the other day where you're doing a 90-mile day and it takes you to around about 9 o'clock at night and you end up in a town that doesn't have any motels, which can get a little bit problematic in certain sure. parts of the state. Well, listen, good, good luck. What we'll do, we'll, we'll talk to you on Wednesday, by which time you'll have sort of completed and you should be relaxing, perhaps with your feet in some bath and you'll have got over your wind problem and... Uh, and, and it should all be tickety-boo, and then you're sort of getting ready to, to head home. Well, you know what, Steve? Hopefully I'll be in a flight on Wednesday night, so... <laughs> oh, right. That's what you think. <laughs> Not with so your we, feet we might, we, I might, might try and catch you tomorrow if, if, if we're successful. Yeah, um, OK. But, but we'll other, otherwise we'll, we'll catch up later in the week. But uh, I've just got to say thank you very much indeed as well to your very kind listeners who've been on our site and uh, donated very generously as well. So thank you oh, very nice. much. They know they are very good of them. And it's uh, it's been quite an inspiration for all of us. Uh, and you're raising money for support over the, ready, raising money for cardiomyopathy, which is a uh, treatable heart disease and uh, the biggest preventable killer in under 35. So we've had some really good support, and uh, thanks very much for everybody who's donated it as okay. well. And the website is justgiving.com/slash/nick. And Andy, I got it right today, didn't I? Yes, you I've got been it practicing right, that one. Well done. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Glad you like the photos. Glad you like I'm, them. I'm expecting another one today. We'll, we'll we'll get another one tomorrow from Windy Orange County. Lovely. In Lycra. <laughs> In Lycra. Of course. <laughs> what else? You've only got Lycra with you. <laughs> well, I'm very, very, very low on clothes now. <laughs> Too much information. Got... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Thank you. Off you go. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye. That's Rick Kelsey. So they're raising money for charity, so that's good. But at the end of the day, they're going to be so, so tired. I wouldn't want to do it. Susan Spence definitely wouldn't want to do it. It's not our sort of thing, is it? We don't. No, I like the area that he goes to because yeah, um, I've been around that way, but I'd rather he's not do even it in a, a car. Cyclist. He's a runner. He's, he, he's not really a cyclist at all. Yeah, but he's fit. He, he is quite fit. If you're fit, I think you can get on a bike. Yeah. It's when you're not fit that you can. Um, okay. Although saying that, it's ab- absolutely a tall order, not taking anything away from him yeah. at all. I love the idea he's been stopped three times in bars and <laughs> questioned about his age. <laughs> and you two are not at all surprised with you.
Yeah, I was. It was. I had dined out on that for years. I've never been asked at all. In fact, the only time was when we went up the monument the other day, and uh, and we're there, and he, there's a little man sitting in the booth at the bottom, charging, and he goes, and he looks and he goes, um, student, young people discount? And I went, you're having a laugh or something? <laughs> I thought he was taking the mickey. <laughs> and he said, no, he said, I have to ask. I said, nobody's ever asked me whether or not I get student discount. <laughs> How old do you think I am? You could anyway, have said, yes, I'm a mature I should have, well, I said, actually, yes, two children, please. So mm. marked us in as two adults. <laughs> Shows the times are changing, built by Sir Christopher Wren, but the uh, the ticket thing is all computerised. Yeah. But it's a tiny little booth, tiny booth. OK, we'll talk to Rick uh, tomorrow, quarter to seven is the time. News headlines, Richard Hakia. Good morning, Steve. Labour is to publish its manifesto later under the... Morning, bad news for Susan Spence this morning, I'm afraid. Oh, why? Your taller colleagues... Oh, I read this. ...earn more money than you. Mm. Shorter ladies don't earn as much money as taller ladies. Apparently, those who stand at five foot eight and above are twice as likely to earn more than 30 grand a year or up to 5,000 more than their vertically challenged friends. Why is that, then? I have no idea. They asked uh, 1,461 women over the age of 16 to give details about their salary and measurements. A fifth of those questioned who fell into the tall category said they earned 30,000 and above compared with 10% of women under 5 foot 8. It does not say why. Not well, only do they earn they more, but they're more likely to be in leadership positions. Maybe because they think that tall people have got more presence, perhaps. Yes. Well, it's like blondes have more fun. <laughs> That they actually did a survey on the television where they, 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 they took a girl to Stringfellows who was blonde and she sat at the bar and they had a hidden camera and they just filmed her throughout the entire night how many men approached her. Then they put a brunette there and saw how many people approached her and more people approached the blonde. Hmm. I know, I don't think it means anything either, <laughs> but, I mean, that's what they tell me. And uh, nice Damien Hurst got out of a taxi and said to the bloke, there's your uh, tip, and they gave him a little doodle as well. And the cab driver's now been told it could be worth up to five grand. Mm, sure uh, that's is, what yeah. you call a good tip. Yeah. However, the other good tip is don't waste your time going to Turin. They've got the shroud out again. Oh, this is the uh, the well-known fake in the church. And uh, because the Catholic Church don't claim it's authentic. Because as I've said millions of times before, this is the, the cloth that they claim uh, the body of Christ was wrapped mm-hmm. in. And um, as I say, if, if, it, if it was the cloth that the body of Christ was wrapped in, the Pope would be sleeping in this every night. It would be the most holy relic, apart from the fact that they found the cross or the uh, crown of thorns, that you wouldn't find anything more. And so the Catholic Church do not claim it's authentic. But people flock to see it anyway, because it's a bit of a... I don't know what they flock no, to see it for. I don't know why. Why would you go and see something which... I have no idea. The Catholic Church say it's not authentic, but yet people go and see it. Maybe they just think on the off chance. Yes. Unlike the Queen Vic, which of course is very authentic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's there and we've had, we've had shouting and all sorts of things going on this week. So are, are we catching up this week? Um, yeah, EastEnders, um, Jack is struggling to come to terms with the fact that he could be paralysed for good. Um, and he might not fully recover from his uh, from the shooting, so that's that's pretty bad. And he blanks all his family; doesn't want to see them. Uh, Ronnie manages to get in to see him, but there's quite a sad moment really where um, she tries to sort of help him out and say, "Look, I'll, I'll do a night at R and R for you." And they have a bit of an argument, and then she goes to sort of plump his pillows up for him, and then he quickly ushers her away, and she's like, well, "What's the matter?" And then she realizes that he's wet himself. 
Um, and well, because it's yeah. it's just a story. It, it's one of those storylines that you know, for for a man like Jack Branning, who was always strutting around and stuff, yeah. and to, then to be reduced to, the, to that, I think it's going to be to see another side of him. And perhaps this is how he and Ronnie get back together. Although she gets chatted up by the doctor who's treating him, which is all very strange. Um, Peggy and Pat decide to run for council in oh, the local council, yeah. Good. So they're at loggerheads with that one. And Martin Jarvis, the actor Martin Jarvis. Oh, yes, we love Martin he's Jarvis. He's brought in, um, he plays the local Walford Gazette reporter oh, and good. basically plays the two ladies off against each other and kind of enjoys the fact that they're, you know, putting he was in lumps. Titanic. He also is the man, I think, credited with more voiceovers on talking yes. books. Yes. Anybody else? He did all the Just William books. He's done loads yeah. of stuff, Martin. Yeah. Oh, good. So that's kind of it, as well as the Saeed storyline in EastEnders. Coronation Street, um, we've got the Molly and Kevin storyline, because, of course, she's now back with Tyrone. They're expecting, they find out this week they're expecting a little boy, and when they have the 4D scan, um, Tyrone asks Kevin to be the godfather and Kevin is just up... To, when he sees the little boy on the screen, it kind of hits him, and the reality hits that it could be his son. So he goes off the rails and says, no, 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 I don't want to be... and starts shouting at him and all that kind of thing. And then they decide to dissolve the business partnership as well. So it's all very strange, and he goes to Molly and says, look, you know, we, I want you to have an abortion. And she tells him quite rightly to... exactly where to go. go. Um, and in Emmerdale, Elena, you know the illegal immigrant? Yes. She's goes this week please because thank you, um thank sam you. spots her and eli kissing so he shops her to immigration they turn up quick sharpish take her away and um eli finds out that it was sam and goes absolutely mental but there that's her she's gone good that time i knew too. you'd be happy about that yes i'm well i was thrilled but i just thought it was bad acting actually talking i must mention bad acting secondly because they they showed a harry potter film the other day on the television and i've forgotten how bad hermione is as an actress absolutely yeah. wooden to the point of embarrassment i've never seen anybody deliver lines like that in mind and the more i watched it the more i thought no i wasn't wrong first time round. i'm normally very good on spotting people who are natural daniel radcliffe Fabulous. I mean, just brilliant. She reads it as if she has learnt it like a... Pa it was just awful. Anyway, the good news is for Martin Jarvis fans, he also did the Highway Code on tape too, because the producer bought it in a charity shop and used to listen to it while she was washing up. See, I've always said, that's where, where, where she's destined to spend most of her time, in the kitchen, washing up, you know. Hands that do dishes can feel soft mm. as your face. Apparently, Steve, says Martin, Roy Chubby Brown is very blue. He is very, very blue. Very, 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 very blue. But always has a full house. Liz says, somebody needs to do a stand-up routine about comedians so stupid and ignorant they have to make fun of disabilities. So the trouble is, in the case of Frankie Boyle and this, this show at the Hexagon, the audience were doubled up in laughter. And you think, perhaps it's, you know, I wouldn't book a ticket to go and see it. Maybe it's nervousness. What, laughing? Well, do you maybe think it's a case of somebody's got something, thank God I've not? Because... Uh, one here that says, uh, I've never heard Frankie Boyle before. The joke was, I think, about life expectancy of Down syndrome people, which is maybe why it was so offensive. Cruelty isn't fun. And Sarah says Frankie Boyle's um, USP is that nothing is off limits. Silly to buy a ticket for a show and expect you to be exempted. He does everything. So, in other words, if it's offensive to you or to Amanda or to me or to people upstairs, he'll do it because offensive is to shock and to shock is, oh, can't believe he said that. And so, you're right, perhaps it's nervous laughter. I don't know. John in Hendon says, they ID people in America to make them feel young. They never ID'd me, John, thank you. I'm depressed am I this morning. Awful. So, in other words, you can obviously make fun about things, 
because somebody's going to be offended. Out of an audience of 3,000 people, two people are offended. The rest of them weren't offended. So what does that tell us about the, the British mentality? Well, the thing is about comedians, I, I just think, you know, you, you go and the chances are, you know, something is going to be a little risque or mm. offensive. And I don't think you go even if it's a straightforward comedian because there's always going to be something that could quite just quite get you and you yeah. wouldn't be too happy about it. I, I just don't see that if you're not that way inclined, then stay away. Yeah. Fr- French and Saunders used to make jokes about fat people. Mm. They'd always talk about fat people because Dawn French... Yeah, she could, because if you're fat, you can make jokes about fat people. she said to me, people. if you're actually coming to the show, she said, at some point, I'm going to ask if anybody's got any chocolate bars. So I took about 20 quid's worth of chocolate bars to throw up onto the stage and she was very happy. Hmm. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. Free chocolate for the night. <laughs> Free chocolate from Steve Allen, which is very good indeed. So, uh, very quickly, we're looking out uh, this week in the soaps, the, the days that are going to upset us. Yeah, Emma Dale with the Aaron storyline. Um, th- there's a storyline that will upset you in Coronation Street because I've spoken about this in the updates, um, which is at susanspence.co.uk, and the podcast is up there now as well. Because <laughs> uh, I always remember, because you always forget. Um, <laughs> but what's his name? John. John um, Stape. He's already been banged up. And now he's basically stolen the identity of a former teaching colleague and he's now going to try and teach in a school. It's like, how... It would never happen. And Fizz goes along with it. Yeah, but but it's what that... I think think that's the storyline that's going to annoy a few people, actually, because it's like, this guy wouldn't do that. You're you're just pushing the boundaries a bit too far now. I'm bored with her. I'll tell you why I'm bored with her. I prefer characters in soaps to stay in the soap. I don't want to see them out on different programmes. Who's the, who's out? Fizz. Fizz has been out and she's turned up on a few uh, reality type shows, cooking and things like that. Has she? Yeah, I've seen her on a few things. I don't like it actually. It's like Marco Pierre White. There's so many people on there who A, you've never heard of, and B, you're thinking, why don't you just, you know, stay off these sort of programmes? Oh, I think Fizz was in that door one. Yeah. With Chris Tarrant and somebody else. Horrible. Susan Spence, thank you. You're welcome. Always a pleasure to see Susan. Catch up with her on the website, which is www.susanspence.co.uk. Thank you very much indeed. I'm back tomorrow. Don't forget to podcast the programme. Very funny this morning. Quite funny, actually. And uh, check out the podcast and the blog a little bit later on. Go to lbc.co.uk for all the pictures you could ever want to see or even shake a stick at. I'm back with you tomorrow morning between 5 and 7. When we look, I think Alan's going to be with us tomorrow between 5 and 7. Uh, and Nick's with you just after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. So have yourself a nice day. Let's hope the weather's going to be kind to us. Start of a new week before we get underway. Here's this morning's business update with Chris Rogers. Thank you. And the FTSE opens later after closing up 58 points.